Welcome to the Health and Wellness Practitioners Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Danielle Angela. In this show, I and my guest experts will talk about everything from getting your practice started to developing your clinical skills, growing your practice your way, and of course, dealing with the real stuff like burnout and work-life balance. Whether you've been practicing for decades or just started your journey, you'll find something here for you. So take a deep breath and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of the Health and Wellness Practitioners Podcast. I am bringing you a new guest to the show today. Her name is Ava Dark. We're going to be talking about kids and sleep or sometimes lack of sleep. We are starting off this conversation with the rapid fire questions that you've been hearing in the most recent episodes. So Ava, question number one is when there are so many career paths available for us in the health and wellness industry, why did you choose the modality that you practice? Why did you choose the path that you're on now? So I started as a nanny, turned postpartum doula, um, turned sleep consultant. And I think the progression of events was um, really where I saw challenges, right? So sleep is a huge one that I come across all the time. Um, it's hard to function properly when you're not getting enough sleep. And it's hard to know what your baby needs and what... Um, expectations you should have for them. And so I think there are just a lot of questions around sleep. And if I can help parents get the rest that they need and get their babies the rest that they need um, to function during the day, then that's amazing. That's a win. For sure. I don't function well on lack of sleep. Now, there are times I experience insomnia. And when my body goes into its insomnia phases, I'm okay without getting a lot of sleep. But if I'm not in my, whatever it is that happens when sometimes I experience insomnia and I'm wanting to sleep, but I can't sleep because something or someone else is keeping me awake, I turn into a wild, crazy woman. Like it's it's really, really challenging. And it actually, I've, I've even gotten sick, like thrown up from not getting enough sleep. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. I think we really take for granted how important it is. Um, We, you know, we spend so much time. We're busy, right? We're super busy and we're like, we don't need to sleep that much. And then when we try to sleep, we've got kids waking us up and, you know, and we're not maybe teaching them the importance of sleep either. Um, And so, yeah, it's it's tricky. It's tough and it's hard to function, like you said, when you're up all night. Okay. Question number two, what fills you up? What excites you or resources you? I've noticed that my favorite thing about work um, specifically is the connections I make with the families. When, when people are texting me and I'm at home and they're like sending me pictures of their baby with silly sunglasses on, or they're telling me that their PT appointment went well, or look who's crawling now. Um, or even just like, you know, gossip that they heard at work. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> it's so fun connecting with people on a level that I wasn't expecting to. Um, I go into my job expecting to, you know, meet parents where they are and see what I can do to guide them toward whatever goals they have. And um, yeah, I don't know. It's been, it's an experience. It's fun to like get to a deeper level and also like have senses of humor with each other. It's been fun. Yeah. Great. Okay. Question number three, 
What do you like the least about running a business? Ooh, (laughs) there might be a long list, to be honest. It's a lot. Um, You know, not only do you have to have all of the education and be up to date on the services that you're offering, Mm -hmm. you also have to be a business person entirely. So it feels like having two full-time jobs. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, if you're like me, you also have a full-time job on top of that. So it's, it's been tough. I've been trying to take marketing classes and, you know, figure some things out, but um, there are certain things like SEO and writing blogs that are on my list for like 2025. It's just not going to happen anytime soon. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. Wearing both hats is definitely a challenge. I think it's a challenge for every single one of us. Yeah. I wasn't expecting, I wasn't expecting all of the cans of worms that have opened with running a business. It's just, yeah, there's a lot to learn. Yep. Yes, there is. (laughs) Okay. Next question. What book do you think that everyone listening to this podcast should read? Ooh, I know this gets suggested a lot in a lot of different circles, but I think The Four Agreements is really good. I love that Um, book. Okay, see, a lot of people read it. It's so good. And I couldn't tell you what they all are. I don't think I could probably name three of them. (laughs) But um, in theory, they're all very important and like a really cool way to, like a a lens to see the world with, I think is sort of what it provides you with. I like, yeah, I like that one. And I've also recently read Hunt, Gather, Parent. And I liked that when it comes to parenting. It's a great one. I have not heard of that book. What is it about? Um, It is about this woman who takes her three-year-old Rosie to a few different countries. And she studies the way other people are parenting um, and how they structure their environments. And she just takes lessons from that um, and applies them to her own daughter when she gets home. And it's really interesting, just like the cross-cultural perspectives and what works for other people that we would have never even considered here in Western culture. So I thought it was interesting and a lot of outside time and a lot of things that we're missing out on here, I think. Yeah, for sure. Um, This is how much I like the four agreements. I have the 48 card deck from the four agreements on my desk. It sits here at all times. So the four agreements for anyone that's um, wondering, don't make assumptions. Don't take anything personally, be impeccable with your word and always do your best. So those are the four. Actually, I don't know if you know, but there was a second book with a fifth agreement and I can't remember what the fifth agreement was off the top of my head, but I do remember listening to that book on Audible when I was on a plane a few years ago and just like soaking it all up. I really love those two books. I love that you have that on your desk. <laughs> I've got some metal bangles with the four agreements. There are four oh, of them and each yeah. they're engraved. I need to break those out. They were a good reminder while I while I had them on. Okay, last of the five rapid fire questions is on a scale of zero to 10, how cringy are you? Like I want to be a 10, but I'm probably actually a five. <laughs> I can so relate to that. Yeah. I'm like, I want to be a 10. I want to be like a 20, but I'm probably like a seven and a half ish. Yeah. There you go. Well, that's pretty good still. It's, I find that it's time consuming to be crunchy and I don't necessarily have that kind of time right now. So maybe someday. Right. I have visions of like making my own almond milk, you know, instead of buying the store bought, but like really I struggle to have time to make time to just cook 
dinner at home. So making my own homework is not a high priority right now. There's only so much you can do. Yeah. I would love to have a garden, but I can't keep my succulents alive. My (laughs) half dead spider plants are behind me here and they're supposed to be the easiest plant in the world. So yeah, it, it's all time consuming. It takes a lot of talent, but um, shout out to all the crunchy people out there. <laughs> Respect. Okay. So with those out of the way, then let's talk more about um, small people and sleep <laughs> or as I mentioned, yes. before, lack of sleep. I think I would like to hear from you if you're able to share, what are some of the misconceptions that people have about how kids should be sleeping at night? I think there are so many misconceptions and I believe that they are different depending on the age group, right? So if you start with a newborn, um, we have the term sleeping like a baby and people expect that the baby is going to sleep a lot and, you know, they might for the first week while they're still waking up. And, you know, maybe after that, things change and they're, you know, harder to, to put down and to keep asleep. Um, A lot of people don't realize that biologically they are meant to be waking up every few hours and they have to eat every few hours. And um, that's just the way their rhythm is. And there's nothing really that you can do to fight it. You have to work with it. So um, yeah, expecting a newborn to sleep through the night is going to set you up for a disappointment. If it does happen, that's great. Bonus points. Um, don't expect it. Yeah, that was a very, very hard thing for me as a new mom. Um, my my kid's father, he has an older daughter. So my, my stepdaughter, she's 20 now, but um, he always shared the story about how when she was a newborn, they brought her home from the hospital and she slept through the night eight hours or more, like from the jump, <laughs> like out of the gate. She was just sleeping through the night. And he had shared that with me when I was pregnant with our first daughter together. And, you know, I was like, how am I going to function on no sleep? And he was like, why would you not sleep? The baby's going to just sleep. And I was like, I don't know if you really understand that most babies don't do that. And he was like, oh, it'll be fine. And our baby did sleep okay-ish, but even like okay sleep was really hard for me. Um, so I felt um, like we could have been better prepared if we are if we were on the same page about expectations and what might have been realistic, not just what had happened before, expecting that to happen again with the next kiddo, right? And then our next child after that was even worse, worse of a sleeper. I put worse in air quotes for those of you that can't see me, (laughs) Um, but she slept less overall, significantly less than my first baby did. So um, I was better prepared that time, but gosh, it was was Uh. like really um, quite a challenge for us to get on the same page about it sounds like it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's a big thing, right? Communication and yeah, talking about your expectations with your partner. It's mm-hmm. hard because you don't know what kind of preparations to make exactly. You don't know what challenges you'll be facing. So you can't exactly make a plan for everything, but you can at least try to get on the same page with some basic stuff, which yeah, him thinking you're going to sleep through the night and you knowing that a newborn's going to be up 
is yeah not the same page or even the same book probably right yeah yeah so not sleeping um through the night or like expecting babies to sleep like a baby is definitely a big misconception what are some others that come to your mind um some misconceptions specifically about sleep training um I would say you know there are facets of parenting that have gotten more popular over the last you know decade or so of gentle parenting attachment parenting um it's really I think polarized a lot of us mm-hmm. um and yeah I, I don't see a lot of middle ground I see a lot of back and forth about you know what's right and wrong but I do think you can incorporate gentle and attachment parenting um with sleep training I think that's important to know that it's not it's about teaching your child to fall asleep independently. It's not about letting them cry. It's not about, um, you know, doing it as quickly as you can, getting the process over. It's like a holistic way that works for your family um, to just to get your baby or your child sleeping independently. So I think it's important to know that you can work with a sleep consultant or even do it on your own, um, you can do it in a way that works for you and aligns with your values. I think that's really important for people to, to know. Yeah. I, I know for me, like with my second child, um, particularly, I was so desperate for sleep that I went to one sleep consultant and my baby was around nine months old at that time. And her plan, her suggestion was, it did involve a lot of crying and I was, I left the office and I was like, I'm not doing that. I'm not. And I knew that, um, my then husband, you know, my kid's father, he wouldn't, um, be leaving our baby to cry either, no matter how tired we were. Um, so we just kept suffering basically for the next, oh, it was roughly six months until a friend of mine um, suggested another sleep consultant. And she was like, just give this a try. I know you've been there before, but you don't, especially now that she's a little bit older, you might be surprised. And um, that sleep consultant had a much different approach and it worked so much better. And it was actually quite fast overall. I think within about, oh, four nights, um, we were sleeping through the night. And that was like a interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So what did she have you do? um, my, My baby... She was, uh, you know, an infant at that time. She had just turned a year old. She was sleeping in the crib and she was in a separate room from us. And she would fall asleep in the crib on her own pretty easily, but she'd wake up usually around three times a night. Um, And the only thing that would put her back to sleep um, or even make her happy (laughs) was to nurse. So I was getting up three times a night out of bed, going across the hall nursing her, sitting up in another bed that we had in that room and then putting her back in the, um, the crib and she would just lay down and go back to sleep. But, um, we had created this pattern, right. Of like, she wakes up and she wants me and she's not necessarily hungry, but she just wants me. And then she, she gets to connect with me and then she goes back to sleep. And the consultant that we worked with at that time, she just said, why don't you just sleep in that room with her since there's already a bed in that room. And when she wakes up, you just go to her and you talk to her and you kind of just like rub her back and soothe her, but you don't pick her up. 
And you just let her know that you're there because she wants to connect with you. And you do that until she lays back down. And when you, when she lays down, you go back and lay down. And I was like, is that going to work? Or am I going to stand there for hours? <laughs> yeah. And, and it actually did work. Um, it was a little challenging the first night or two because I did feel like this is taking me a little longer than what I would like for it to. But literally by like the third or fourth night, she stopped waking up. She was just like, meh, not really getting what I want anymore. So I'm done. Right. That's amazing. Yeah. And you're able to set your boundaries in a way that she knows you're still right there next to her. Yeah. Right. She, you're not going anywhere. You're not abandoning her. There's no long-term harm happening there. Right. She is just learning to be on her own without, you know, without nurse. Like, yeah, there are a lot of interesting solutions out there and a lot of them don't involve too much crying, which is, I mean, there's often going to be some, right. Because when we don't get our way that we've, we're used to getting for, you know, some people, have six month olds who have been nursing to sleep for six months. And, um, you know, there might be some tears involved there as they speak up about what they want, but, um, it doesn't have to be like, um, a traumatizing experience for anybody for sure. Yeah. I'm glad you found somebody that, um, was able to vibe with you and make Thank it work. Thankfully, Yes. And then with my, with my third kiddo, I kind of knew a little bit better from that second experience, like how to, I guess you could say how to avoid that situation, but we had some other challenges with her sleep patterns um, that I addressed a little bit earlier on. But with that last child, she co-slept with us and she's five now and she still co-sleeps with me. She sleeps with me every night. And if I attempt to have her sleep somewhere else and it's my idea, she yeah, doesn't about it. <laughs> she doesn't want to take part in that at all. If it's her idea, for example, to sleep like maybe with one of her sisters as like a slumber party, um, then then she's all about it. It's totally of fine. Course. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now she's five and we're still co-sleeping. And I'm like, I don't know if this was really what I intended when she was, you know, one or even two years old and we were co-sleeping at that time and she was nursing still. It was definitely what was easiest for me but now that she's five I'm feeling like it's time for a little more separation (laughs) yeah sometimes it works until it doesn't and you just have to keep readjusting as as they grow and as both of your needs are changing so yeah yeah it might be time (laughs) um on that note I, I think that one of the things I wanted to talk with you about on the podcast was older children who are not sleeping through the night and maybe some misconceptions or strategies there, because, you know, most of the people that listen to this podcast are women that have children and they also have professional careers in a health and wellness profession. And they are trying to do all the things they're often trying to do more than all the things they've got a lot on their plates, taking care of their patients or clients, their family, themselves, their significant other and their home, their business, the dog, the cat, et cetera. And yes, the if, they're not, forever. Yeah, if they're not sleeping, it can really feel like, you know, they're trying so hard to push themselves to get all these things done, but they just don't have the bandwidth to, to do that. So I have had clients that have come to me for help with their practice and they want to grow their business. And I'm like, you're not even sleeping through the night and you haven't for five or six years. So we've got to fix that problem first before you can expect that you should be more organized at work. 
<laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's the basic need that we have. We can't function well at work without sleep, food, water, mm-hmm. shelter. Um, yeah, we need those needs, those needs to be met. So what would you want parents of what I would call older kids in this scenario? What would you want them to know if they are struggling with kids that still are not sleeping through the night? Um, I would want them to know that it's never too late to make some changes. Um, like you said, with your daughter, she's been in that bed with you for five years. Right. And, um, that might sound really daunting because she, that's all she knows and change is hard, but, um, it's definitely possible. You can do it in a way that's empowering for your little one and make it fun. Um, it's not a punishment. We definitely don't use punishments for big on rewards and praise um, and getting the child on your team. You want to be supporting each other and working as a team instead of against each other, right? So, um, you know, whether that's teaching your kids about the benefits of sleep, I think there are kids' books out there that talk about that, you know, like maybe bedtime books about, you know, why it's important to sleep and what your brain does while you're sleeping. Um, and yeah, you can, I mean, there are reward systems you can use with quarters and sticker charts and there's all kinds of stuff you can do. Um, what I do is I look at the big picture of how families are functioning and what struggles they are facing. Um, and then I take all that information and I try to make a plan with incentives that I think the child would respond to, or I say, you know, fill in the blank, you choose the incentive, you know, your child better than I do. Um, but you know, maybe there's a reward at the end of the week, or there's just so so many ways to do it, um, and make it a positive experience while also setting your boundaries and having your own needs met as a parent. Um, who needs to sleep in order to have mental and physical health. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that setting boundaries is one of the hardest things, especially as someone that has has practiced attachment parenting for the most part. Um, I have felt like there are no boundaries, but that's not necessarily the intention of, of attachment parenting, right? Where it's not to drain the parents, but the intention is more so to help the child feel securely attached and, and um, to give them that healthy start in their development. And yeah, like looking back now with my kids being 12, eight and five, I can see, you know, of course things that I would have done differently or might have done differently. Um, but one of those things is definitely having clear boundaries around um, expectations with them. Like what, what is okay and what's not okay in regard to what they're taking from me specifically. Yes, for sure. Yeah. If your five-year-old or, you know, hypothetical, if your toddler crawls into bed with you every night um, and they know that you're going to let them stay there, there's no reason why they will stop doing it. Right. Right. Um, if they know that they can come out of bed and come into the living room where you are and start a conversation with you and you'll engage with them for five minutes, they're going to keep doing it. Right. Because that's what they want. They want to connect with you. Um, they want to see what's going on outside of their room. Right. So 
um, it, it, what you let them do, they'll keep doing, I think is the bottom line. And so really that you have to be clear about what you're expecting and you have to find a way to make it clear to them. And kids are smart. They're very, very smart. We often don't give them the credit that they deserve and overlook a lot of that, but like they know, they know what's going on, right? So it's better to level with them than it is to like fight against them, I think. Yeah, for sure. So um, let's wrap up on this. If there's, if there are parents that are struggling, um, (laughs) I know for me, when I've been in like the worst, the hardest phases of the not sleeping through the night with my own kiddos, it has led me to have like a really hard time making decisions or thinking clearly um, Mm -hmm. at the worst of the times, right? What would you want parents that are feeling like that to know or to do right now? Um, I would suggest cutting through the noise as much as you can choose one person that you trust and make sure they're not speaking in a broad, make sure, make sure they know what your situation is specifically, um, and aren't just giving you blanket statement advice, right? Like we don't really care what worked for your neighbor's granddaughter. Um, we care what would benefit or solve this problem specifically that you're having, right? So um, don't get a million opinions, choose Mm -hmm. something that feels right with you and stick with it. Um, I would say at least for four or five days, if you try something and one night it doesn't work and then you try something the next night and that doesn't work, you're just changing, changing, changing all the time and your your kids can't adjust to that. And so nothing's gonna work if you do that. Um, So be consistent, pick something. that you want to change and yeah, keep with it. Make make sure your kids know what the deal is. Your routine should be the same every night as much as it can be. Um, and expectations should be clear and kids. Yeah. They should know what's coming next pretty much at all times. If it's, you know, bath time after dinner, then that's what it is every time. We're not negotiating five minutes of TV in between. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's how I, that's how I look at it. We do, we do this, then we do that. And then we do that. And that, you know, every time. Yeah, that it, I think you hit the nail on the head for me. Like that's one of the biggest things I would do differently with my kids is I would have created more structure and more routine for them, um, more consistency. Because in the past, um, you know, over the last 12 years, a lot of times when their father and I were still living in the same home, we would just be like, oh, tonight, let's go out to dinner. Boom, we're gone. You know, and then we don't get home until nine o'clock. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There really was no bedtime routine. They just fall asleep in the car and then we'd carry them in the house and plop them into bed. Right. Um, and we did that a lot. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, you can only do what you know, right? And what works for you at the time might not be sustainable, but it works for you at the time. And so <laughs> you, you do what you got to do. Um, yeah. Setting boundaries. That reminds me of a story from a nanny job that I started a few years ago. And um, it was my first day and it was after nap time. And I was telling the four-year-olds, we're going to go outside now we'll go to the park. Which park do you want to go to? And he was like, I do not want to go outside. He was not about it. And I said, well, that's what we're doing next. Um, so like, I'll wait until you're ready, but we're not going to play with toys. We're not going to do anything else. The TV's not going on. We're just going to wait here for you to put your shoes on. And then we'll go to the park when you're ready. And we sat there for like 45 minutes waiting, just waiting for him. Um, his parents were like, what do we do? I don't know what to do with him. And I'm like, nothing. This is, this is the expectation. I'm going to wait for him to get on board. And that's that. 
Um, and I let him be and, you know, it took a while, but he put his shoes on by himself eventually. And he was, had an amazing time at the park and we never had an argument or any kind of tiff about that ever again. He knew like when it's time to go outside, we go outside and, um, you know, there's room for negotiation sometimes. And I'm not like super militant, but in general, the expectations are pretty clear. Um, and I think that's really helpful to kids to know what you want them to do. Yeah. (laughs) A lot easier to do it when they know what it is. Yes. Awesome. Ava, thank you so much for everything that you've shared and for having this conversation with me today on the podcast. I know it will help um, a lot of parents in the future who are tired. (laughs) So good. I hope so. I hope so. I know it's foggy, especially like that first month of parenthood. It's it's so foggy. So find somebody that you trust. Um, find a sleep consultant if you need it. Don't wait until it's too late. <laughs> my, my but it's not. It's not ever too late. But don't wait until you're really in the depths of it. Yeah. Um, and it's hard to claw your way out. Yes. Awesome. Okay. So, so if there's anyone that's listening who would like to connect with you and learn more about what you do, where is the best place for them to go? Um, yeah. So my website is virtualvillageparenting.com. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram, virtual village parenting. Um, and yeah, follow me there and I'll look forward to meeting some of you. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great day. Hey, thanks so much for joining me for today's episode. If you love this podcast, then be sure to join our free community, the health and wellness practitioners group over on Facebook where you can continue the discussion and get to know other people in the community as well. We're a group of chiropractors, naturopaths, acupuncturists, midwives, doulas, massage therapists, mental health therapists, counselors, nutritionists, and the list goes on. So come join us, get to know other people, build some personal and professional relationships. You can find the group by heading to drdanielleangela.com forward slash community and request to join the group. I will see you inside from there.